0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 podcast here on CBS Sports. It's another around-the-clock edition of the show. Uh, We've been tapping 24-7 sports experts from across the country, the boots on the ground, the insiders to be able to get a good look into some of the biggest teams uh, in the upcoming football season. We are joined today by Corey Smith and... uh, Corey, this is very interesting. I'm not going to start the clock quite yet, but uh, you and I have known each other a long time and we've uh, worked together and we've been in the same spaces. So I'm going to try to do two things. Number one, allow that familiarity to give the best podcast possible. And number two, also uh, to try and make sure that we don't get too inside that we're delivering a look at NC state. That's not coming from two people that spend so much time around Raleigh, North Carolina and West Raleigh in particular.
1: Yeah, it's always great to talk to you, man. I mean, yeah, obviously we've been around each other. I've had you on our podcast multiple times and uh, been talking to you on podcasts for several years and videos and things like that. So it's always great to talk to you, man.
0: All right. And now we will go ahead and put 15 minutes on the clock. What do you think happened to this NC State team in the way it responded coming down the stretch after the Miami loss uh, to be able to get things settled win the last four games of the regular season, because I think that a lot of college football forgot about the Wolfpack. You know, they break up into the top 25. They only played two games on ESPN all year and it was the loss to North Carolina and the loss to Miami. You know, they lose on that, you know, weeknight game also sort of fade away. But uh, what did you see in terms of growth and development or, or what that team did to be able to recenter itself and finish the regular
1: season strong? Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it was the fact that, you know, the schedule did get a little easier down the stretch. Obviously, you had uh, Liberty that was a tough matchup. But, you know, that Florida State game after the Miami game, you know, they, they had kind of gotten, you know, themselves into this mindset of like, hey, we're actually a pretty good team, you know, offensively, defensively in that, that Miami game. Uh, and then, you know, they, they had the door shut on there in the fourth quarter. I mean, Derek King happened. So, yeah. uh, I mean, he had the best game of, of likely his entire career as a passer. Uh, in that game uh and so you know that that could have been something where you know you close up shop you're like hey we lost our quarterback for the year not you know not having a great year we're gonna we're just gonna finish out this year and then and move on to next year uh but this team didn't do that you know uh bailey Hawkman, i think was a big part of that he played solid uh throughout the the end of the season now obviously he's gone on to middle tennessee state uh, but you know the rest of the offense around him the veterans that uh, we're on this team, guys like Peyton Wilson that's coming back, Emeka Emezi that's coming back. You know, all those guys responded in a big way and and helped to put that load on their back and, and carry this team down the stretch. You know, the one that I think a lot of people will remember is the Liberty game, where you know NC State was the only team to beat them, uh, at least in the regular season last year. I can't remember; I think they won their bowl game too. So uh, they were the only team to really beat them last season, and and that was. And that was one of those really big, grinded out, you know, types of moments of the season, and and that's where this team, you know, kind of sits at is they want to be able to grind wins out, and and they were able to do a lot of that at the end of last season.
0: What do you think about um, the feeling coming out of sprinting practice, where Tim Beck has gotten a full spring to be able to work? I mean, with Devin Leary, but also he was hired. Yeah. And then COVID hits, and so you you lose all that time for install. Uh, have, were you able to sense from talking to players or coaches the the way that things have progressed on the offensive side with now uh, both coach and unit players all being able to work together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm never going to use the word comfortable because I think any coach in the country is going to be like, no, you never want to be comfortable. Uh, but there is a there is a sense of comfortability uh, that was not there with this team last year. There wasn't. You know, there was a lot of change that took place after last offseason or after last season where they changed. Like you said, Tim Beck comes in, he's having to install an entirely new offense and he does it without the spring prep, without full spring camp. Uh, and, you know, going into this year, there is, you know, Hey, we know who the quarterback's going to be. We have, you know, full spring to get things prepared, uh, you know, and and most of the guys you know, know this offense and even a guy like Devin Leary, who was not, on the field but for three games last season you know he has a pretty firm grasp on what this offense is the guys that are around him what they're capable of doing and and the types of things that he can do to make this offense better and I think yeah we've seen that a lot from from talking to players uh you know there was a lot of guys that actually sat out in the spring just because you know they were trying to you know recover from these bumps and nicks guys like zonovan knight ricky person emeka emezi those are guys that are expected to step up in a big way this season, but you know, they were comfortable enough to say, hey, you guys take some time off. We don't necessarily need to push you. They brought some younger guys in, guys like Jordan Houston, Porter Rooks, uh, you know, at the running back and the wide receiver position to to kind of bring them along and, and add even more assets to this team uh, going into the season. I think that's the biggest thing that they gained this spring.
0: Where's the question mark offensively? Because like you can, if you can go off the top of your head and just be like, bam, night, like I've don't know if I'm going to put him as a preseason first-teamer, but if he's a first-teamer, I'm not going to be surprised. Like, Ricky Person, like, same thing there. Yeah. Mecca Messi, like, probably will be in first-team consideration for the ACC. Like, what are the question marks for the offense?
1: Yeah, you know, the biggest question mark that you lose in terms of your skill position players is going to be at the tight end position because Kerry yeah, Angeline, while he didn't, you know, while he didn't finish with, like, 35, 40 catches last year and, you know, 10-plus touchdowns, he was, a, he was a guy in the red zone that, you know, you could rely on. He's a six foot seven tight end. He ended up signing as a free agent, uh, you know, in the NFL, just because he does have some athleticism. He can catch the ball. He was not a great blocker. He worked on the last season uh, and he got better at it. But, that's the biggest question from a skill position standpoint along the offensive line. It's really just kind of at the guards right now and the right offensive tackle. Uh, You do bring back, you know, Grant Gibson and the Kim Aquanu are two guys. uh, Kim Aquanu is going to be left tackle uh, Grant Gibson at the center position. Those two guys are expected to be, you know, two of the better offensive linemen in the entire ACC. Uh, And then, you know, the the question mark really is, you know, you have a guy uh, Dylan McMahon that stepped up last season, uh, you also bring in some, some young talent. You bring back um, you know, some guys that were, that were on the team last year, but that right tackle position is going to be a battle. Uh, and then you know, one of the guard positions, like I said, you feel good about Dylan McMahon, who was a, technically a, a redshirt freshman last year, comes back as a redshirt freshman again this year. Uh, but those are, those are really the only question marks. So you feel good about nine of the spots. I mean, that's, that's a ton of talent coming back that you, that you feel good about as far as starters for last year. Uh, the last last one I'll bring up, though, we talk about Devin Leary as if you know he's he's going to be perfectly fine. There are still going to be some questions of, about durability because he did have the season-ending injury last year. So, how durable is he? Does he is he able to stay on the field the whole year? And I think that's the only other real question mark you have for this team.
0: Well, not only Corey, but the entire squad at Pack Pride does a fantastic job of keeping you up to date with the recruiting side of things. Peyton Wilson's from Hillsborough, you know, like this mm-hmm. is, is somebody that uh, he was considering North Carolina and NC state. You know, it, it was, it's a name that we've known here around the area and in the state of North Carolina for a very long time because he's been excellent and he's like, he's a future pro to what, do, what should uh, college football fans who are not familiar with Peyton Wilson know, or what do you like about the way that he's developed and the player he's become?
1: Yeah. You know, the thing about Peyton Wilson that you see on the field almost instantly is he's just got a tenacity like he's just just plays angry all the time. And, you know, that's been a hindrance for him in the past. He had some serious injuries uh, coming out of high school, had the torn ACL, uh, suffered a a similar injury uh, during his, his redshirt freshman season, had to sit out. Uh, And then came in, you know, as a, as an actual redshirt freshman uh, and played and and had to sit out multiple games because of injuries. He had a shoulder injury this past off season, but, you know, he's a guy that led the entire ACC in tackles last year, finished his first team, all ACC. And that was even after missing a game due to, uh, you know, a slight injury and had a few games where, you know, he was playing, like, you know, you go back to that North Carolina game. That was the game that he marked on his calendar. You really want to be able to play in that one and show out and have a big game. Uh, And, you know, I think it's like the first drive. He suffers a shoulder injury and he's he's kind of on and off the field the rest of the game, like adjusting his pads, doing little things like that. But he's a guy that does not want to come off the field. He's a sideline, to sideline linebacker that you want to have, you know, off the Mike side, off the Sam side. He plays a little bit of everywhere. He played Buck as a redshirt freshman. I believe played, you know, Will last year and some Sam last year. So he's all over the place. Uh, but yeah, you know, between him and, you know, Isaiah Moore is somebody that not a lot of people are talking about. He's a, a leader for this team. Isaiah Moore comes in as, you know, wearing the number one jersey. So if you know anything about NC State, that's, you know, kind of a big jersey for, for guys to wear. It just shows you know the most leadership on this entire team. Uh, and he's coming in. He just posted a video the de- other day squatting uh, six reps of 500 pounds. So he's just a massive dude. And then Drake Thomas along the middle uh, for NC State, that linebacker core you know is is as good if not better than the most teams in the ACC coming into this year.
0: What has the is is there any reason to doubt, you know, we've we've mentioned on the podcast a few times the strength and conditioning program at NC State? Uh, but what D'Antonio Burnett has done, Coach Thunder, like what he's done is fantastic. Is there mm-hmm. any reason to think that that's going to change? I mean, he's a former NC State player. I, I don't like there's got to be so much sentimental attachment to continuing to make this football program better as well. But, you know, you mentioned that the shot from uh, the, the sharing a clip of, of what you're squatting. Like One of the reasons why NC State has been producing so many players to the NFL has been the, the work of player development and body development there. What I mean, is there any reason to think that that's going to slow or can we just copy and paste those expectations from year to year?
1: Yeah, I mean, you always worry. You never know exactly how guys are going to develop. But, you know, I think part of it is 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 NC State identifying players and saying, you know, they'll take a guy that looks like a quarterback, you know, from high school and go, hey, he's a wide receiver in our system. A guy that, you know, plays wide receiver. Hey, he's going to be better covering guys. So it's it's player, you know, it's player identification and then it's player development. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, Coach Thunder is known by every NFL team across the country because they know, you know, the guys that he builds and the guys that he gets behind and says, you know, you're he's he's 100 percent an NFL player. Guess what? That guy's probably going to pan out. You got about a 90 percent chance of those guys panning out for at least you know, four or five years in the NFL. Uh, and every single one of the guys that have come out of NC State have gone on to have, you know, at least at the very least moderately successful careers. Uh, you think about guys like Naheem Hines, that, you know, while he isn't the number one running back, he was drafted in like the third or fourth round and he's gone on to be a you know, big product there. So it's not just the defensive guys, but, you know, defensive line, he's consistently developed guys that are just, humongous and just space eaters across the middle. Uh, and while they lose to Lee McNeil this past year, CJ Clark is a guy that we've heard so much about this offseason, season, uh, stepping up into that role uh, and being that next guy. And he was, again, you know, another in-state product uh, that, that, you know, NC State really gets behind. But one last thing, I know we're trying to move quickly here, but uh, when it comes to Coach Thunder, I will say this. There are a lot of guys on the staff that are great recruiters. He's one of the biggest recruiting tools because a lot of guys that we talk to that say, hey, I committed for so and so reasons. Like, yeah, they'll say the coaches, but they'll say uh, when Coach Thunder got in front of me and told me, hey, you're going to gain 30 pounds. You're going to be this guy. We want you to early enroll so that you're ready by next by next summer. Like they buy into that because they know what he's saying is the truth.
0: So um, yeah, Chase Claypool was working out, right? I'm guessing Jalen yeah. Samuels brought him down. I was like, what is what is he doing over the facility? Okay, so the to set the expectations, um, it's tough because you're coming off of this eight and four season. Um, you are so excited about that seven and three ACC record, and then you see win totals uh, that are being released by uh, sports books from across the way. And the number that is being set is probably short of what you would hope if you were a fan. How do you, um, as covering the team, like how do you how, how do you feel about seeing six on the board? Juice to the over, but like six and six, seven and five for a team that returns so much from last season feels like it might be a disappointment. How do you set realistic expectations for the fans?
1: Yeah, it's really tough because, you know, I, I kind of agree with uh, Bud Elliott. That's obviously on you guys' uh, podcast uh, on a regular basis. He's He said, you know, I think NC State can push and get back to, you know, an eight-win season this year, and part of it is because – the schedule is so vastly different from last year. You know, you start off with USF and then you immediately go to Mississippi state, which is a little bit of an unknown too, because you know, they didn't exactly meet expectations last year, but they have a lot of guys coming back. It's always going to be tough playing in Starkville. And we know they're going to probably have full capacity going into next year. Then you come home against Furman and then you have Clemson. Like you could not have asked for a tougher start to the ACC schedule than playing, you know, the, the king of the ACC Atlantic on a consistent basis. So If there's a way that you find a way to go three and one over those first four games, or even God forbid you go four and oh, then yeah, the expectations are through the roof. But buddy, you you win on
0: September 25th, expectations are through the roof.
1: We're talking ACC championship. Immediately, immediately. Exactly. I mean, we're talking like, you know, 2003 implications there. So, you know, you, you find a way to, to, you know, come out of that with at least a, a three and one record somehow. Yeah, you can probably meet expectations, but there's also a very good chance you go two and two of those first four games. And then we know Boston College is going to be a tough team this year. We know Miami is going to be a tough team this year. We Louisville's a little bit of an unknown. You have Louisville at home uh, and then, you know, Florida State, Wake Forest and then Syracuse. That's a three stretch, you know, a four game stretch there where you come out of that four and O, then it's great. You come out of that three and one. Well, again, you go into UNC and and there's a chance that you could finish, you know, seven and five and eight and you know eight and four somewhere along those lines to get yourself into uh, bowl contention. So, yeah, it's 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 a very difficult uh, schedule to to look through and say, oh yeah, they're definitely getting ten wins, you know. And I think that's kind of the the hope we've talked about this before on our podcast. Is you know I think a lot of people hope for that ten win mark. They want to get to that and get back to that for the second time in program history, but Uh, Yeah, it's you know the eight and five mark I think or eight and four mark I think is is very realistic for this team still. And six and six would be
0: a disappointment.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely think six and six would be a disappointment. Where we're talking about, you know, what What went wrong? Yeah, exactly. What went wrong? What needs to happen next year? I think eight is kind of the bar for people right now. Eight wins is like I wouldn't be very disappointed in that unless it was like you beat Clemson and then you lose to you know Florida State and Wake Forest. Then it's like you, you did it again. You just you didn't beat the teams you were supposed to beat, but you found a way to win, you know, this miraculous game. You go back to kind of the Tom O'Brien era uh, where they, they would win these like monstrous games. And then you would lose to Virginia the next week. It's like, what, what did you do? What what happened?
0: But that hasn't been the, the Dave Doran has been defined by beating the teams that you should be able to beat. And then the frustration has been getting that Tom O'Brien style, like Florida state win.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And they, they've, they've consistently missed the bar on that. you have, I would say, I mean, looking at the schedule, you know, I don't I know that I put Mississippi State up in that argument just yet because, uh, you know, obviously it's a game you want to win. But, you know, if you find a way to win a Clemson game or you find a way to win that UNC game at the end of the year or even the Miami game on the road, those are those are three opportunities to really have like a signature win in Dave Doran's era. And that's, that's again, you know, that's the biggest mark on him is, even when he has these signature wins, it's, it's teams that eventually fall apart. Or it's like, hey, you beat a top 25 Liberty last year. while it looks like a great win at the time, we're going to look back on that in five years ago, dude, you beat liberty. Like it's not it's not that big of a deal. So uh, you need to have that kind of signature win of a great team and a great year uh, and being able to find a way to give them a stumbling block.
0: He is Corey Smith. Please follow all of their awesome NC State coverage at Pack Pride. They've got VIP memberships. You get one month for $1. And listen, if, if you are an NC State fan and you do not have a subscription to Pack Pride, you are doing it wrong. They are all over the place with all the updates about uh, the ongoing to the present team and, of course, the program's future on the recruiting trail.
1: Corey, thank you very much. Thank you, Chip. I appreciate it, man. CBS Monday. NCIS! Here's where we can see them! NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases.
0: Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals.
1: All new criminals.
0: Violent island to got here. Locked in the paradise.
1: And all new crimes to be solved. If
0: you're watching this, I've been arrested.
1: What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New
0: NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.